Welcome to another life-changing message from Pastor Vernell J.R. Samuel of Hungry for God Church. For more information, please visit our website, www.h4gchurch.com. I'm going to be talking about responsibility. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about two kids now. So as I'm raising, I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And individually, what I'm noticing is that at their age, they are looking for opportunities to be responsible. That my daughter is looking for me to actually give her tasks to do. And you learn a lot about, you learn a lot about how God created us but when you look at children. Right? Like children just expect, people, children expect provision. Right? They expect provision. They don't care how much money you have or don't have. They expect provision. They expect dinner. They expect breakfast. Right? Your problem is not their problem. All they know is I'm here because you brought me here. Now feed me. Right? It's just, that's just called simple faith. And the Bible says that we need to have faith like a child. That we actually ought to look at Daddy God the same way. That God, you're obligated to provide for me. Right? <laughs> right? We're supposed to look to Daddy God that way. When he says, when Jesus said, look at God as Father, you need to begin to flip your perspective of God and realize that, wait a minute, if, if God, if you're my dad, then you're supposed to take care of me. Jesus said it best in Matthew 6. He said, look at the birds. He said, they neither, they neither sow nor reap. And, your father, and the Father still feeds them. See, we think, well, God won't provide if I don't sow. God won't provide if I don't give. I have to give something before God, for God to bless me. The birds don't have to sow or reap. We think that if I don't tithe, God won't provide for me. No, my tithe is based off of what he provided. It's not the other way around. So we have to begin this thing when we look at to see God as father will correct so much of the mis the misinterpretations that people have about God. We'll get to that because we're going to be talking about family soon and how God was raising up our church to also be as a family. That family church is the, is the type of church that Jesus intended for, uh, for, for us to form. But I, I want to get back to this thing. So a maturity comes by us taking responsibility. When my daughter asks for me to do, to do a task I get excited because I understand that by her taking responsibility in the house, it's not just giving, it's not just me getting a chance to have less, one less thing to do, but I'm actually seeing her progress into a state of maturity. When Preston is at two years old, I change his pamper and I say, Preston, throw that in the garbage. And he takes his pamper and runs to the garbage and is excited about throwing it in the garbage. Because he had something to do. Purpose is attached to responsibility. If a person doesn't know, if a person doesn't have any responsibilities, they will be confused in life. They, because they have no purpose. They're not attached to anything significant. They're not contributing to anything. That, that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To do something. Why? Because our destiny is attached to what God created us for. We were created to actually do something. However, for us to reach that place of destiny, I have to be something first. Or I have to be someone first. That we learned, I think, a few weeks ago that 
most people are, are worried about having stuff or doing stuff. But Jesus is more concerned about you being someone first. That you have to be the type of person that can handle what you're asking for. So if people say, I want responsibility, but you also have to be the type of person that can handle responsibility. What God will put in your hand will only be based on what you can handle. So how do we get God to trust us with more? How do we get God to trust us with more? We get God to trust us with more by being responsible with what we have now. <laughs> if I say responsibility. I want you to turn with me. Turn with me to the book of Numbers. So last week we, speak, we spoke on character. We talked about character and maturity. Now I want to talk about understanding responsibility. Understanding responsibility. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said... Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. Now look at what the Bible says. God created us in his image and his likeness and then gave them a responsibility. He created us to look like him and to live like him. Write this down in your notes. Your, the number one responsibility you have is to be like God. Your first the number one responsibility you have as a human being is to be like God. God created you in his image and in his likeness. So when we learned last week when Jesus said, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. He's asked, he was challenged, he's challenging us and he's calling us to get back to our place, our, 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 our God's original intention for us. That he created us to be just like him, his image, his likeness, that you are his image image bearers God created you to be his representative on the earth that when people see you they're supposed to see God and that's coming back to this place of sonship Jesus said it he said if you've seen me you've seen the father that wasn't just supposed to be only a statement Jesus can make that's a statement that all the sons of God are supposed to be able to make one day if you see me, you see the Father. Why? Because I and my Father are one. I reflect Him. I look like Him. I talk like God. I live like God. I think like God. My character is like God. I'm made in His image and likeness. That's everyone's pursuit in Christ, to be like Him. Or what it's supposed to be. Amen? So my, my, my number one responsibility is to be like God. So you got to know what you're responsible for if you're going to be responsible. Okay? So God wants us to do what he says. He wants us to live like him. And if I disobey God's instructions, if I sway from God's character, then that means I'm not being responsible. If I don't live like God, I'm not being responsible. So the highest level of maturity is being a son. Being a son. When I say son, I'm not excluding women, but it's a, it's a statement that is a gender, a gender neutral statement, sonship. The highest level of maturity is sonship. And I want you to get familiar with that word sonship because it's about our relationship with God is that we're not just, uh, uh, you know, I don't, people have in their minds different views of how they relate to God. But God doesn't see you as an orphan. God doesn't see you as, as an annoyance. He doesn't see you as, you know, just someone hanging out in his kingdom. You are his son. 
You are his daughter. You are his child. And if, uh, if I'm a son of God, then my highest goal is to be like my dad. Jesus said it in John 5. He's called himself the son of God. And the Bible says that the religious community got upset because they said he was speaking blasphemy. By, by calling God his father, it meant that he was saying he's equal with God. But Jesus understood my responsibility is to be like him. When you lose your responsibility, you lose your authority. When you lose your responsibility, you lose your authority. When the Bible says God made man in his image, he made us in his likeness, that's our responsibility first, to be like him so that they may rule. So when Adam lost, when Adam lost his control over humanity, or not over humanity, over the created order, when Adam lost his authority, it was because he walked away from his responsibility. Not just to rule, but to be just like God. Are you seeing that? When I want you to also write this down. Authority coexists with responsibility. Authority coexists with responsibility. Authority coexists with responsibility. That means when a person has when a, a person only has authority because they have responsibility. And the person that has more responsibility has more authority. So the only reason why, for example, parents have authority over their children is because parents have the responsibility of taking care of their children. The only reason why husbands have authority over their wives and is the head of the house is because the husband has the responsibility of taking care of the house. And the wife. When the woman tries to usurp the authority of the man and break the order of what God created, there's confusion. When a child tries to rule the house and control what the parents do, there's disorder. Why? Because the child doesn't have the responsibility. The parent does. So responsibility goes hand in hand with authority. (laughs) The pastor has authority in the church only because he has more responsibility. God came down when Eve sinned, nothing happened. When Adam did it, all hell broke loose. Why? Because Adam had the authority, and the responsibility. Don't be quick to rush for authority if you don't want responsibility. (laughs) Nothing happened until Adam ate the fruit. See? And when when you talk, because, you know, in church, in, in Christianity, we talk a lot about authority, spiritual authority. So we get excited because we hear, like, I got authority. But you got to recognize what that comes along with. <laughs> what comes along with authority? Responsibility. Yeah. And responsibility is the building block of maturity. Maturity is built up upon the idea of responsibility. So God said, let us make man in our image so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, birds in the sky, livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Next verse. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Next verse. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful 
and increase in number or be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Amen. So have dominion, have authority, rule over the planet. That, that, that assignment could not have been accomplished anymore because when Adam and Eve broke the chain of command and disobeyed God's instructions and they walked away from their responsibility to be like God on the earth, they handed their authority over and they no longer could rule the planet the way that they were supposed to. So to this day, we're still running from lions and gorillas and bears when they were supposed to be obedient to us. What you see, the thing about the order of God is this. If I am disobedient to God, who is my authority, those who are supposed to be under my authority will become disobedient to me. I can't have dominion on the earth until I come back into obedience to my creator. It's, see, you, can't, you don't have authority to influence uh, sickness and disease if you're disobedient to God. The creation was, is designed to obey you, sons of God. <laughs> That's why Jesus was able to walk on water. Jesus was able to speak to the storms, and they obeyed him. Why? Because he was obedient to his father. He came under his authority, and by coming under the authority of the father, everything else that was supposed to come under the authority to him fell in place. So if you want to bring order back to your life, it starts with you coming back into submission, into a place of surrender and yieldingness to God. My responsibility to be like him will allow me to now have authority on the earth. Your prayers won't work right. Your fasting won't work right until you understand your responsibility. And when I understand responsibility, then God can now give me authority. Say authority. So God is trying to give, your, give his people authority. Come on, church. We're wondering why we're not seeing more cancers healed. Why we're not seeing more dead raised. Why we're not seeing more blind eyes open. That type of authority comes when we learn how to steward our responsibilities responsibility is not just a natural word it's a supernatural word God will trust you with that type of authority when you learn how to be responsible see the spirit of this age wants us to expect responsibility without accepting responsibility It's called the spirit of entitlement. <laughs> we expect responsibility without accepting responsibility. When people expect responsibility, they demand rights. They demand privileges. They demand entitlements without themselves giving it. I want my rights. So that's what happens with our children today. They, they just expect everything to just fall in their laps. They just say, well, you're supposed to give me. They demand it almost, or literally demand it. But the problem is, is that your rights, see, God is not advocating for your rights. We're not supposed to be asking for rights. We're supposed to be asking for responsibility. Adam could have asked, Adam could have said, Lord, it's my right to be in this garden. <laughs> it's my right to be in this garden. You gave me it. But look at the parenting of God. God said, Adam, because you chose to break rank and you disobeyed me, I'm going to put you on timeout. <laughs> I'm going to put you on timeout. I'm going to close this garden off. You can't come back in here. 
as long as you take to repent, you can't come back in this garden. Because look what happened. Adam never admitted or accepted responsibility for what went wrong in the garden. Adam sinned and God comes to the garden and says, Adam, where are you? Genesis 3, we don't want to turn to it. Adam, where are you? Adam was hiding behind the tree. Adam, why are you hiding? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat from? You had one responsibility. One job. You can eat of every tree, but the, this tree right here, don't touch it. Don't eat it. Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? Um, yeah, the woman you gave me. <laughs> I didn't ask for her. You gave her to me. She caused all this havoc. <laughs> so we see first he hid, which was shame. Then number two, he cast blame. The first sign of sin in the garden was shame. Second sign of it was blame. When God started teaching me responsibility in my life under grace, I learned the responsibility by knowing the grace of God. I'm going to tell you how. Because remember I said our, our, our greatest responsibility or our number one responsibility is to be like God, right? Now, it's very easy for you to realize you're, you're most likely not like him yet, all right? <laughs> You're like him, but you're not like him yet. Because we all are growing and maturing into his stature, right? We're growing up into the fullness of God. But here's the deal. As we continue to, uh, to pursue likeness, as we pursue oneness with God, we will find ourselves that we will begin to recognize there's still areas in our lives where there's faults, where there's inconsistencies. So... There's two ways you can react to, 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 you can come to grips with your humanness. You can make excuses as to why you're not like God. Or you can, you can accept the areas in your life where you're not like him and bring it to him and say, Lord, change it. Deal with me. So how I began to learn responsibility was I had to change my view of God first because as long as I saw God as an evil, short-tempered, quick to judge, quick to punish, mean old God, then when I sinned, which in sin, all sin is, is not being like God. That's what sin is. So... Anytime I've disobeyed God or I chose to not live according to his standard for my life, I could either choose to turn my back on God and run or hide like Adam did. But then as I began to understand grace, that God is gracious, that God is really merciful, that God is really kind, that God is slow to anger, that God is not a, a mean a, a, a judgmental God, but he's a forgiving, loving God. When I began to see that, that's his nature. It gave me boldness to now come to God with my inconsistencies. You see, you learn some more in your, in, your, in, your, in, your, in your failures to God and say, God, this is me. <laughs> and then on top of that, watch this. And when you do that, God doesn't take your responsibility away. That's what taught me responsibility. Because there were times when I thought I should have been disqualified. When I thought that God should no longer use me because I failed. Because I messed up. And God still said, no, you still got a job to do. And I'm like, well, I don't deserve to be used by you. I don't deserve. Anybody ever prayed those prayers? God, I don't deserve to be used. Don't use me. Grace says, God says, no, I called you. And I knew you was going to mess up. And I still called you. 
I knew you wasn't going to get it right next week, but I still put my anointing on you. The fact that he still gave you his Holy Ghost, knowing that in five years you will fall, shows you that he's not worried about your fall. You know why? Because God is a God who sees the end from the beginning. So he's not looking at your beginning. God is looking at your end. And in God's mind, all he sees is a perfect, blameless son or daughter of God. Who after, see, God will forgive you of your failures as much as you need to succeed. <laughs> Woo. You see, that's what allows you to mature. God will keep forgiving you of your failures as long as it takes for you to succeed. <laughs> and he won't take your responsibility away in the process. God is very secure. He is very secure. I, he knows what he created you to look like. He knows what he created you to be like. But he's patient. He's merciful. God is love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. God will put up with all of the misery and all of the, of the, all of the drama in our lives. And he's still standing there like, I know what I made you to be. You're my son. Woo. I need you to see him from his perspective. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. You look like me. You just don't know it yet. And I'm telling you, once you realize I can, be, I can really be like God, and he's being as patient as I need to get this thing right, See, at one point, at some, at some, at one point, you might think of grace like, oh, I got an excuse to sin and get away with some stuff, you know. And then something begins to click. I begin to realize, I don't want to not, I don't want to hurt this person who keeps loving me and showing me kindness, showing me forgiveness. At some point, I say, no, I want to take responsibility for me. I want to actually, so. It's not just I want to be responsible for God now or I want, to, I want to actually try to be like God. It's like, you know what? I want to be the best for me because he sees something in me that I'm not seeing right now. So now I'm going to try to explore and get this thing right. You see? And I just want to be honest because that's how I grew in the, that's how I grew in the, in the faith. No matter how much responsibilities my parents gave me, it was when I began to see God, what God began to see about me was that I'm his image, I'm his likeness, and I can live like him. And I don't have an excuse not to. I'm going to show you this. Watch this. I wrote this down. Religion doesn't want you to be like God. <laughs> Religion doesn't want you to be like God. See, Jesus was crucified not just because of the fact that uh, 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 he, well, you can't even explain why he was crucified. He did no wrong, right? He didn't sin. <laughs> he was a perfect man, and he was still crucified. But the, the number one reason why they wanted Jesus stoned was because he called himself the son of God. The religious spirit is warring, will war against you to the death. It'll war against you accepting your responsibility of becoming like God. Yes, you know why? Because the industry of religion is built on your sin. Religion stays in business through sin consciousness. Religion needs you failing, and it, it, it needs your faults. It, it needs you fallible and confused about who you are because then religion can tell you anything, tell you what to do, where you need to spend your money, how you need to. Religion can control you as long as you feel inferior 
to your reality and your, of your identity in Christ. The minute I begin to have sun consciousness instead of sin consciousness, the minute I begin to realize that I am like God. See, re, re, religious leaders control you by telling you how sinful you are, how unholy you are, how unworthy you are, and you need me to get you right. So religion, you need me. You can't hear from God without me. Your ears are too polluted. You need me to hear from heaven so I can tell you what God is saying. Come on. Some of you guys came from that environment. You don't have to have responsibility. So religion likes you to be disempowered. Religion doesn't want you equipped. Doesn't want you powerful. Because the weaker you are, the more powerful you perceive me to be. I love mediocrity, religion says. I love you to be mediocre. I want you to be lukewarm. I don't want you hot. I don't want you on fire for God. The minute you begin to know who you are in Christ, you don't need man anymore. <laughs> ah, somebody's speaking in tongues over there. <laughs> but what does that have to do with responsibility? What does this have to do with responsibility? You, number, I want you to write this down. You must be responsible for governing yourself. You must be responsible for governing yourself. Now that you know your, your number one responsibility is to be like God, you now must become responsible for governing your own life. You must be responsible for your own relationships, for your own financial decisions, for your own education. You have to begin to become responsible because if God says I'm like him and I can be like him, I cannot blame anything else as to why I'm not like him. As long as I have an excuse like Adam, as long as I have an excuse as to why. Did Adam really have an excuse why he didn't know, why, why he let what he did go down? Come on. Did he really have an excuse? Did Eve take the fruit and shove it in his mouth? <laughs> it was his choice. Responsibility means I eat and die by the choices I make. I chose to do that. Responsibility starts with me accepting my destiny based on my decisions. And until I cast, if I keep pointing fingers, ain't that the only thing, the reason why I'm like this is because this person did this to me. If I keep saying that the only reason why I'm not here yet is because I didn't have my father, I didn't have this mother, this person wasn't in my life. As long as I keep pointing fingers, I will remain the victim in my own story. And I don't take responsibility. At some point, I got to take responsibility. You see that? So one thing I learned, you can, be the, you can either be the victim or the victor in the story of your life. What part do you want to play in your own story? Do you want to be the victim all your life? Do you want to be the one that always has an excuse of why you didn't do the right thing? Why you didn't end up going and, and got, why you got into that bad relationship? Why you kept getting in the same cycles? No, it's because at some point you got to take responsibility. Come on. A person's maturity is measured by their ability to commit to responsibility. A person's character or maturity is measured by their ability to commit to responsibility. 
As a matter of fact, write this down. This is a, def this is a definition of responsibility. I should have gave this earlier. What is responsibility? What is responsibility? Responsibility is the state of being committed. The state of being committed and accountable to someone or something. Write this down. Responsibility is the state of being committed. Everybody say committed. committed. And accountable or answerable to someone or something. I love that definition because it doesn't say, you, you see, to be committed to something or someone is being responsible. Not yourself. So sometimes we get, we, people are more committed to their own feelings. If I had to depend on my feelings to be responsible, I would quit on everything. I would quit my job. <laughs> I'll quit ministering because there are times, how many of you know, there's going to be times you don't feel like being committed to something you chose to be committed to. Right? The state of being committed and accountable, answerable to something or someone is responsibility. Doesn't, I also want you to show, I want to show you this. Numbers 11. I wanted you to see this verse. Watch this. Numbers Verse 17. This is getting good. I don't have that much time. Numbers 11, verse 16. I really wanted to start here because I wanted to show us this thing with the connection between ministry and responsibility, but I hope you've seen it somehow. Verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle that, that they may stand there with you. Watch this. Then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them. Now people get excited and stop there because he's about to, they're about to get an impartation. The mantle of Moses is about to come on them, right? Right? And they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone see people want the anointing without the burden <laughs> they want the highlight reel of ministry without the responsibility that comes with the ministry right Look what he said. I'm going to put my spirit on them and they will bear the burden. The word burden there is responsibility. Responsibility also means burdened, load or weight. It means burden, load or weight. So when these men were chosen and given the task of serving with Moses or operating in ministry with Moses or having authority over Israel with Moses, God not only gave them the anointing or the authority, he also gave them a burden, the responsibility. And one thing I, one of the things I've learned is that I don't want to be, I don't, I, I oftentimes pray that God will keep, give me a burden. Because I don't want to be in a place I don't have a burden. I don't ever want to be burdenless. I need to feel the weight. Some of you, you need to feel the weight of your responsibility. You need to know you're carrying a weight. See, when people don't, I know when people don't have any weight, they don't, they don't, they, they move and they make decisions without consideration. Because when you have a weight, when you have a burden on you, you realize you can't make the same choices and go the same places where everybody else can go because I have a responsibility. A married man who doesn't have a burden will hang out with his friends, go wherever he wants, spend all hours, spend all his money however he chooses to because he doesn't feel the weight or the responsibility of that marriage. That's what happens. <laughs> Thank you. And I was a brother that clapped. Amen. Yeah. I'm telling you. Galatians 6 verse 5 says this. 
For each one shall bear his own load. For each one shall bear his own load or carry his own weight. You see, under the New Testament, everyone has been given a load or a burden to carry. Under the Old Testament, you had set people, you had set tribes, or you had Levites or priests that were given responsibility. Not everybody had to serve. Not everybody had responsibility to work in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, everyone is given the load or responsibility to carry. Each one of you have a burden. Each one of you have a responsibility a shared responsibility as to, as to ensuring that God's purposes and God's kingdom is happening, is manifesting. So if without a burden or without a responsibility, you just show up on Sundays demanding rights, demanding privileges, expecting blessings to come, but then God can trust you because the way Trust is proven is by managing responsibilities. Listen, if you want God to use you, you have to make yourself available. Receive a burden. People run away from responsibility in this generation. But the people who want to change the world Run to responsibility. Thank you. See, the rest of you can sit there and look at, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go after the work. I'm going to do the work. You know why? Because I understand I'm not living for this life. There's a life to come in which God is going to reward me. He's going to reward us for those of us who have chosen to lay down their lives who chose to give their lives away to Jesus and say, Lord, I want you to use me. I, if nobody else wants to go, I'm going to go. I'm going to pursue greatness. Greatness isn't going to come to you, church. You got to go to it. <laughs> I'm going to leave a legacy. My footprints are going to be in the sand of time that when people look back, they're going to know J.R. was on the earth. Vernell was on the earth. You know why? Because I made a decision. But that decision didn't happen overnight. It came from me spending time with God and God showing me what I was created for. Come on, church. If you truly saw what you were created for, when you, if you truly get a glimpse of your destiny, and you wake up to the reality that God has not created any single one of you to be insignificant on this planet. God didn't just create you to get a job and wake up every day, go to do your job, go home, go to sleep, wake up, go back to work, raise your family, and go and do the same thing for 35 years to 40 years of your life. Only to wake up at the end of your life and say, I wish I did more with my life. I wish I followed those dreams. I wish I followed those dreams that God put in me when I was 30 years old, when I was 20 years old, when I was 15, when I was 50. I wish I did what God put in my heart to do. The number one regret, the number one regret elderly people said they had on before they died was the regret of not following their dreams. And it starts today. We're getting ready to start homerooms in a few weeks, March 3rd. And this, this, um, this homeroom cycle is going to be different because we actually have a curriculum that we're going to be going through together. It's called Destiny Finder. And one of the things that we're doing is that every single home, every single homeroom is going to be a destiny incubator. Because we're going to help each and every person 
identify and discover their callings, their gifts, their office in Christ. And we're going to break down for each and every one of you exactly what that looks like, what jobs, how those callings can intersect with careers and what what, and different uh, um, aspirations that you may have in life. All right. And so we're going to walk, walk through each and every one of those things, because by the end of this year, the reason why I say 2019 is going to be your greatest year yet is because you're going to enter into your grace zone. You're going to know what what area God has graced you to thrive in, to succeed in where you can't fail in. See, when you know what God called you to do, you can't fail. You do the thing that God called you to do. Even when you fail, you still will succeed. You know why? Because it's grace. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds what? Even more. I got to wrap this up. Responsibility is a burden. I want you to write this. This is my last point. Hallelujah. Write this down. Responsibility I just ended here. I learned this from Miles Monroe. The late Miles Monroe. <laughs> he said, when you look at the word responsibility, he said, look at it as in three parts. Three parts of the word. Inside of the word responsibility, you say you see re, you see spons, and you see ability. The word re means to go back. Like replay, rewind, you go back. In the middle of re, you see spons, so you get see the word sponsor. A sponsor is someone who gives you who gives you something. And then you see the word ability. He said, if the word responsibility ever scares you, remember that in the word responsibility, there's a sponsor of your ability. So, if you have a responsibility of raising your family. How many of you ever got afraid of the idea of raising children? Did that that ever intimidate or scare anybody? That's a big responsibility, right? Right, raising your kids. That's a big responsibility. We'll take that one. Well, remember the sponsor of your ability or go back to the sponsor of your ability. Because in order for you to take care of your responsibilities, you have a sponsor, God Almighty, who is giving you the ability to take care of your responsibility. God will give you what you need. He will give you the grace. He will give you the strength. He will give you the wisdom. He will give you Everything you need, the money to raise your kids. He is the sponsor of your ability. God never intended you to, for you to do life alone. He never intended you to, for you to try to figure everything out by yourself. You do life with him. You do life in him. You do life through him. In him we live, move, and what? And have our being. If that's true, understand that God got you. God got you. If you're a business owner and you have a low a workload that you're responsible for, you have you have staff that you're responsible for. Remember that you have a sponsor. Someone who is sponsoring your ability to do what he calls you to do. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Amen. So I want you to do this one thing with me. Today, we're gonna, I want to bind up that spirit, the spirit of this age in which people today want 
They want responsibility. They want the benefits. Remember I said responsible. Responsibility is a state of being committed. The state of being committed. You cannot be responsible without commitment. You cannot be responsible without commitment. And commitment begins with sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Yeah. Those of us that are not willing. See, people that don't commit are people who, who didn't sacrifice anything in the beginning. Commitment happens when we sacrifice. I'm willing to put in skin in the game. When you make a sacrifice and you're committed. See, covenant, commitment, all of it is all based on the same idea. My responsibility is going to be totally dependent on my commitment. And my commitment is going to be based on my willingness to sacrifice. My willingness to give up. My willingness to surrender to what I say I'm going to be committed to. It just takes discipline. And discipline is developed through responsibility. Parents, the best thing you can teach your children in this age is responsibility. The best thing you can do. Those of you who are grown now, the greatest thing you can do is learn how to become accountable again. See, when you don't have anybody to answer to, it's very easy to be irresponsible. So here's my call to you. You have a church. You may not have a family that you're close to, but you have a church. Get yourself grounded and rooted amongst other people who also are serious about being responsible. Get around other responsible people. And you'll begin to draw from their strength. You'll begin to, begin to see, oh, that's what it looks like. And that's the benefits of responsibility. No more do we want to raise a generation of people who want the benefits of commitment without responsibility. It's the reason why people will want to have sex without marriage. It's the reason why people want to have children without raising. I don't know how many people I've heard say, I want to have kids, but I don't want to be married. I've literally met several women who had their life goals planned out. I'm going to have a child by the time I'm 25. Yep. I said, are you going to be married? Nah. So who are you having a child with? But they formed in their minds, I don't need to get married. I just want to have a kid. So I said, we're going to get back to family. We're going to talk about family. My, my point is, I'm going to land this plane right here. Is that we need to begin to model. As believers, we need to model to this generation the benefits of commitment. The benefits of responsibility. The benefits of sacrifice. Those three words, the world is running from. But let it be known that the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, we are a mature people who are willing to take responsibility for our actions, to remain committed to a cause, and we're willing to sacrifice for a cause greater than ourselves. If we model that and show the world what that looks like in this day and age, we would have already begun to establish a kingdom foundation for Christ to begin to establish kingdom realities on the earth. No responsibility, no authority. No responsibility, no maturity. No maturity, no destiny. You cannot step into your destiny without maturity, and you cannot step into maturity without responsibility. This concludes another life-changing teaching from Hungry for God Church. For social media updates and more teachings from our pastors and leaders, please visit our site, h4gchurch.com.